This is the Raising Athletes podcast, season two, episode 26. Why does your athlete play? Hi. This is, I'm, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Once you know it's for real, you're like, uh, <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones. And I'm Susie Walton. And this is our podcast, hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie. Our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries, to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us <laughs> about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're going to get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. Over the course of the last several decades, a parenting shift has occurred. Throughout time, most parents would agree that their greatest desire is to raise happy and healthy children. But recently, bubbling up beneath those two more noble desires is a more insidious one, one that has become so important that parents are putting happy and healthy at great risk by making superiority their priority. Better at school, at sports, at extracurriculars, everything a child does now, they must be superior to their peers. This competitive parenting seems to be derived from a fear of missing out, FOMO, that worry that the pie of future success just isn't big enough for everyone. A child can't do an activity or have a passion for something unless it's a means to an end, a college scholarship, easier entrance to a top school, or at the very least, Facebook bragging rights. Everything, it would appear, needs to be attempted merely for how it would look on a college application or it isn't worth doing. Whether intentional or not, parents today have an overwhelming misguided focus that somehow if we help our children discover a passion and help them become great at it, that their path to happiness and success will be clear. We have abandoned the idea that playing a sport, learning an instrument, or nurturing a child's flair for art can have intrinsic benefits, like pure enjoyment or a needed distraction from the normal stresses of childhood. Instead, we have given rise to the notion that mastering whatever you take on is a requirement for it to have worth. This week, Susie and I dive into four tips to how to help yourself and your child in dealing with these pressures and the stress that they feel in this day and age. Please enjoy episode 26. Welcome back to the Raising Athletes podcast today, episode 26. So excited. It's going to be the Suze and Kier show today. Woohoo! Hi, Susie. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, let's just do a little introduction and then we'll jump into why does she play our topic for today, which is going to be really fun. Um, but before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kirsten Jones, a peak performance and sports parenting coach. 
My passion is helping others align their values with their mission and their mindset to get what they want in life. As a former D1 athlete and a 14-year Nike executive, I've always loved understanding the power of what makes peak performance possible. As a mother of three and someone who is currently in the middle of supporting my oldest son's dream to play sports in college, Susie and I have created this podcast to help others who are trying to raise not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. And I'm Susie Walton. I'm the founder of Indigo Village, a mom of four sons, and a grandmom of nine kiddos. I'm a speaker, author, and family coach. I've always loved sports, been an athlete myself, still playing beach volleyball. My passion is kids, and one of the best ways I know how to um, support the kids is by supporting their parents and creating the family of their dreams. Yay. All right, so today we are seeing a lot of press. Um, in fact, Susie and I were just chatting before we jumped on. Sports Illustrated this week has an article titled The Rise of Snowplow Parents, Sports, Sports Plow Parents. And there was also a recent article about a 13-year-old female soccer player who's turning pro and what that means and what, you know, let's, so we're going to talk about um, how that's affecting the parents and how that's affecting the kid and kind of go through some steps. We have some parenting tips on how to help because ultimately it's how do you, how do pair, how do we help ourselves in coaching our kids? Right. And that's what we're here, here to be better parents. And so the takeaway for today, we'll, we'll give you some tips on how to, how to support the kids. But to start, I wanted to kick off with a story of a client that I spoke to a couple weeks ago, and then we'll, we'll kind of unpack that off Susie for your take on this. But to me, this is a great example of, of parenting done well. Um, and there's a girl named Abby who I interviewed her mom, who they move around a lot. And when Abby was 13 years old, they moved to South Carolina from Northern Virginia. And for the first time, Abby had had to stop playing the sport she loved, which is lacrosse, because they didn't have it at her school. But her mom said, at first, we thought, uh oh, this is going to be awful. She's not going to be able to play lacrosse. You know what is she going to do? Well, she took lemon and lemons and made lemonade and joined the softball team and joined the school play and was in the basketball team. And she said she tried everything and every coach just needed players, so they were happy to have her. And three years later, four years later, when you talk to Abby about her favorite childhood memories, she says that year in South Carolina was the bomb because I got to do everything and I didn't have any pressure. I just got to learn and and it was okay that I wasn't great at what I did. Well, fast forward the next year, they moved back to Northern Virginia. And so she was able to jump back into lacrosse. And her mom says, you know, Abby's a good lacrosse player. She's not an amazing lacrosse player, but she's a very old soul. She knows who she is. She's confident in her beliefs. And so when she started to get recruited by some D1 schools, we weren't really surprised. Uh, but at 15, they've now changed the rules. But back then, th- two years ago, you could recruit them at, at, as sophomores. And so she was getting recruited. She got an offer from a very good D1 school. And she was flattered. She said, wow, this is amazing. I can't, you know, I, I can't believe I'm getting an offer already. So she took the offer. And, um, you know, away she went. But the following fall, as a junior, she, we, we went down to the school to visit. And she just was acting funny. The mom said I was, you know, kind of asking her what's going on and she couldn't really put her finger on it. Well, after the visit, you know, she said, Abby, you know, it doesn't feel like this is what you want. And she said, she said, Abby finally kind of fessed up and said, yeah, but I can't let you and dad down. Let me and dad down. What are you talking about? She said, well, I, 
I made this commitment a year ago and I have to go to this school. She said, well, tell me what's going on. She said, well, I really love working with special needs kids at school. Abby spends hours and hours in the special needs group and volunteers. And she said, I realized I want to be a nurse. I want to go get my nursing degree undergrad. And then I want to get my special education diploma. And I want to work with these kids. And the school doesn't have that major. And her mom said, wow, it seems like a pretty clear cut decision you've made. She said, yeah, what are you going to do? She said, well, I, I can't, I made this commitment. You're, I don't want to let you and dad down. She said, Abby, this is your life. This is your decision. And if this is not right for you, I think you need to let this coach know now. So she said, she got on the phone. She spoke to the coach. Coach said, yeah, 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 you can major in something else. And then when you go to grad school, you can then go get your nursing degree. And she said, Abby hung, hung firm. And she said, no, this is, this is what I want. And I want it in an undergrad program. And she, then the guy kind of doubled down on her and said, well, just so you know, like this late in the recruiting season, there's no way you're going to get another offer. So, you know, if you, if you let go of this, you're going to be hosed. And she said, well, I want to thank you for the offer. And I'm so, you know, flattered and honored. And I'm okay if I don't get another offer, which she said kind of shocked, stopped him in his tracks. He was not expecting that response. And they got off the phone and she said, how do you feel? She said, amazing. <laughs> she said, I, I know that's what I needed to do. And then the tagline to the story is three weeks later, another school called. They'd heard that she decommitted. They said, I, we heard what your passion is and we have that major. And so in the fall, the mother says, you know, this is her decision. This is her life. This is her path. And I can't want it more than she does. And if that's not where she wants to go, I would be, I would be totally hurting her whole career. And, but I, you get it, right? You get it as a parent because if they've made this decision, then, you know, you want to teach them to honor it. So Susie, how as a parent do you say, when is it okay to pivot? When is it okay to say, we're going to backtrack? This wasn't the right decision. And when is it the time to say, nope, you, you made this choice. You got to stick with it. You know, I, it's a great story. And I have a little bit of one like that. One of my sons, um, he got, you know, he got a lot of offers for different colleges to play basketball, but he, the one he wanted to go to was Princeton and the Princeton, you know, they don't have scholarship for athletes. So he knew, um, it would be a, you know, a burden on me, especially to help support his college. And, um, and they also knew this is where he wanted to be. And this is like, this was the place for him. So in that moment, you know, as a parent, I know, like part of you is like, are you kidding me? You've got these four other offers for a full ride and you want to go to Princeton, <laughs> you know? And, but, you know, that was me just thinking that, but, you know, I said to him, of course, you know, you're, you are made for that school. We will get, we will all figure all the finances out. You get, you need to go to Princeton, play basketball there and be in the, you know, the arena that you want to be in. And it was a great decision for him. And we figured out the money part. It all got handled. But, you know, I get it as a parent in those moments. And for this girl to, you know, you know, the crazy thing is they were recruiting as a sophomore. You know, it's one thing if you're committed and you're a senior and it's a month out and you're like, ah, but even then, it's okay. It's okay. Sports is sports. You know, and there's even that life lesson in there. As you know, it's like, 
maybe she wasn't going to get another offer. She did to go somewhere else and play and get her major. But what if she hadn't? I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Knowing how to pick yourself back up and, and you know, and move on. So that those in those arenas, like that's a life decision. And so it's really important for parents to be, you know, really listening to what they're hearing. Like that mom could definitely read between the lines, you know, and, and, and there was part of her that was probably thinking, oh man, really? <laughs> it's close to home and, you know, all that. But she really focused in like what's best for her daughter. Yeah, it's close to home. They were offering her not a full ride because it's lacrosse, but she was getting partial paid for. She says, I have four kids. It could have been easy to say, sure, just suck it up. And, and at least, you know, you know, and yes, you can major in the other thing when you get, you know, when you get through your undergrad, but well, I think that, it's a yeah. great story of how it looks to be, a, how to be that kind of parent who supports their athlete yes. versus the other parent who over supports you know, to make sure everything's cushy for that child and wants them, you know, to be in the best of the best. So it's a great story of that's the way you want to support your athletes and your, you know, and your kids. Right. Yeah. And to, so question that becomes those parents. So how do we, how do we see that? Because when you're in the middle of it, right. And you're feeling the stress and anxiety and, you know, we had already made this decision and now we have to go back, but it's separating yourself from the decision, right? It's not yeah. her, her, I thought her advice was perfect. This is your decision. This is not my decision. And a lot of times as parents, we want to rescue. So we jump in and we take ownership of the decision and that's not fair to them. Like even with my uh, second, my third son who um, was invited on five different recruiting trips, very first one he stops at, he calls me and he goes, this is the university I want to go to. This is where I want to play ball. I'm like, Come on now, you you, don't, you can't just make your decision like that. You've got to go try out those other schools first, and then decide. Like, you know, the all-knowing parent, and she, he's like, "Mom," and I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> he goes, "Listen, this program is like a family, and that means so much to me." And she and he said, "And Coach's wife, she reminds me so much of you," mm. and. I love that. And this is where I want to be. And I'm like, bingo. <laughs> you know, those, when with hearing those words, I was able to say, you know what? You're right. It's the perfect fit for you. And hence, you know, he had a really good career at that school and went on to play some more. So it's, you know, it's really like, you know, it's back to like that other mom or like in that moment, I was able to hear what he was saying. It wasn't like, Hey, this is the school I want to go to. There's like the best parties in town and everybody, you know, gets drunk, you know, or what, you know, I can do ever, whatever. And, you know, no, it was about family and about, yeah, it was all about family. And so hearing those words, I'm like, bingo, he's got it. Well, he does knowing your child. So yes, you know, knowing your child. Tip number two, right? Advice is knowing your child. Listen to your child. If he's telling you from an, a place of knowing that this is a decision that he's made because he feels the right thing, not just a spring butt. Oh, it was a great party school. Like, no, I know it because of X, Y, and Z, and he can he can tell you why. Then that's a good decision, right? Yes, yeah, like in the moments when you know they're speaking from their heart. Yes. You know, yeah. when she says to her mom, Abby says to her mom, yeah. this is not where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Right? And she knows that. Heartfelt. It's not like the heady stuff. Yes. Yeah, I heard like, you know, I get to like play more minutes and blah, blah. No, that's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
checks to reassess this whole program here, but yeah. yeah. So let's flip over to um, Olivia Moultrie, who's the 13-year-old who just joined the USA Women's Americans, which is an American soccer player who actually our first podcast, I'm pretty sure it was. So 26 episodes ago, we talked about her and we talked about as an 11 year old, she had committed to playing at North Carolina. Um, and now to fast forward two years later, she's actually foregoing college altogether and has moved her family's relocated from the South up to Portland, Oregon to train with a pro team. So we don't know, and you can give more of the examples, right? So she gets a, an agent, she signs with Nike, Nike gives her a big contract. So now she's playing with women 10 years older than her. Some, 10, some 10. of them are 35 years old, oh. three times her age. Wow. Yeah. So two or three times her age. So how do you look at this as a, you know, from a parenting perspective around, you know, we know, we all know the Todd Marinovich story in the, in the 80s where he, you know, his dad was raising the perfect athlete and he never ate McDonald's and he never, he, you know, and then that all went so south and, and, you know, poor guy's still struggling with addiction to this day. So what's the difference between that and potentially, I mean, we don't know how this story finishes, but from what we're reading about it, there, there might be a few different elements. What do you, yeah, what do you I mean, by reading it, it sounds, you know, her parents sound a lot different than Marinovich. the Marinoviches and the other families. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, so they sound like a pretty healthy crew there, which is great. I mean, that's the number one. You want to have parents that support you. You know, that's how it seems with the article. Um, and at the same time, I, so... I don't think that's the big concern. I'm concerned about the 13-year-old kid. Like, do you remember being 13? Barely. Yeah. <laughs> 13, I thought I knew everything, what yeah. was best for me. And so, obviously, we don't know how it's going to pan out. I just know watching my boys go through sports, um, I never, we never pushed them to play, like, varsity of as a sophomore, they stuck to JV. We made, we actually made them play JV because we wanted them to have the experience of playing a lot and being on the court, you know, with people like even Dan Millman, he talks about this in his book where he talks about like kids need to learn to know their bodies and they need to be in situations until they're older where they're in a like, you know, a place where everything fits for them. Like this little girl, I think she's five foot four, which, you know, is not tiny, but it's not big. She's going to be playing against some big bodies. And is that what a 13-year-old body needs? Like, that's my, my biggest concern for her, is the injuries that could come to her. And, you know, and the loss of being a teen. Yeah. You know, this, and maybe that's what she wants, which it sounds like she does. Like, she's all about this. But I also read that, you know, she had to give up basketball, which she loved, too. So, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's just for you out there, parents, don't get all caught up in this now and trying to get your young'uns out there signing contracts with Nike and, you know, joining some agent, like those people are not <laughs> the everyday people. So you, it's really, again, like what's best for your child. And the majority of you guys out there have kids who will be good athletes, maybe great athletes, but they're not going to take it much further than maybe high school or college and certainly pros for the most part. So it's really about using, again, sports as a venue to learn so many more life lessons than just playing the sport, 
which you can talk about a little bit yourself, Missy. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Millman book? What, you it's Dan Millman. And, um, you know, he's the author of The Peaceful Warrior, oh. but he also wrote a book on, uh, I, I can't remember the actual name of it. Okay. Um, I can look it up while you talk a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so prepared um cool yeah i haven't heard of him so i would love to hear more about that so okay so number three if we, if we recap right so we're saying knowing when to pivot so the first story was talking about abby and her going with her gut and her knowing when to pivot second was listening to your child as a parent understanding that this was her decision and allowing her to drive it and three what i hear you saying Susie, is advocating for your child so in the case of this girl olivia who's 13 and obviously was you know, identified as talent early on. And maybe she is that diamond in the rough, that one in a million that there won't be others like her. You know, it is more an, an oddity than it is the norm. And, and if, I mean, what, what the parents are saying in the, in the article, the fathers said he was being compared to Marinovich and the balls and everything. And he said, but actually this is Olivia's dream. And Olivia is the one that she's watching for fun. She's watching game tape. You know, my daughter, when I ask her to watch a beach volleyball match, you know, says, how much longer, you know, can we go now? Can we go now? (laughs) And she supposedly likes volleyball, but she's 13, right? So she's not, this isn't the end all be all for her yet. Could she grow into loving it? Maybe. But right now, at least it's not an obsession for her. And what I'm hearing from this dad is he's saying it is. Olivia is willing to forego. you know, ha- having school friends all the time. She's being homeschooled. She's really focused on her career already at this point. I guess the question becomes, as a parent, as you said, advocating for your child and knowing how much of it is, is you, you are still the parent. So you still need to make the decisions that are going to be best for her and, and that are keeping her safe and that are keeping her, you know, on a path. I mean, my 18 year old has this saying when he talks to coaches, he says, I, I, I'm, I'm in it for the 40 year plan, not the four year plan. <laughs> I, don't where, I don't know where he got that. I didn't say it, but I kind of like it because it's true. This isn't about what am I going to do for the next four years? This is about how am I growing as a person? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of sports, you know, it's, uh-huh. uh, it just gives you so much life. Yeah one after another the name of the book is called body mind mastery body mind mastery all right yeah, Dan Dan was a gymnast i think at uc berkeley where in, um and then he you know wrote the book the ways of a peaceful warrior and he's got a lot of books but this one i read because i do a workshop on sports and um and i remember reading right off the bat that whole part about you know your kids don't need to be um like there was one swim coach that will allow six to seven, eight-year-olds on her swim team, but she won't let them actually compete in a swim meet until they're nine because she wants them just to be comfortable in her their bodies and just become part of the pool, right? Mm. So, you know, this little 13-year-old, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It doesn't feel right to me, just again, because of mostly because of just her growth and her where her body's at at age 13, but who's to say, right. you know? Yeah, and so we bring this up not as a making a judgment right or wrong, yeah. but as a, a point of discussion. And obviously, you know, I don't have that problem. Most of us don't have that problem to have to face because most of our kids, again, like you said, Susie, are are strong athletes. And for where they are in their careers, they're doing well, but or they're wanting to do well and they're striving. But 
that's really, you know, an outlier situation. More importantly, though, how are you supporting your child where they are currently and, and with, with what's going on? Are you helping them learn how to listen to themselves about what what's right for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, there's so many studies, too, about the importance of cross-training. Yeah. Right? And I think in this book, or pause, I think the book Positive Coaching by... Um, Jim Thompson, he writes about like, you know, it only takes two to three years to, to um, create a budding Olympian. Mm. You know, the desire may be there for like for my son, Luke, at age six. It's like I'm playing in the NBA. M- like the desire was always there. Yeah. But we can go then go hire a private coach and, you know, made sure he stayed on schedule for sleeping. And, you know, maybe we should have. <laughs> but, you know, that's the stuff these kids figure out on their own. You know, that's, yeah. you know, they have boundaries but you can't like close them in so right but that's mindset right that's this knowing that he had knowingness yeah yeah certainty that he had even from a very young age and then he lined up his actions to match his certainty and that was the the willing to make the sacrifices to skip the parties to do the extra workout to you know take the extra shots every day right kobe took 15 may made 1500 shots every day after practice after a three-hour practice he stayed until he made three 1500 shots right like that's just because when i'm in the game it's that certainty of when i show up and i'm on the you know the game's on the line i'm going i'm going for it mm-hmm. because i know i can yeah exactly yeah. awesome all right, maybe one fourth and final point before we wrap up. So probably one thing that I hear a lot from parents and now that we're in the sum- in summer as well is is overwhelm. And if this is a 13-month-a-year season and kids never have downtime, and one of the biggest things, particularly now for the summer, that we you know, would love to f- you know finish this with is building some slack in the system. So what can you do this summer to help your kid unwind? Um, and I can give you an example. So this past week I forced my 15 year old onto a plane to go do a service project and he actually wouldn't speak to me on the way to the airport because he was, this was well, actually my husband took him cause he's like, I, I, she made me do this. This is not what I wanted to do. And I picked him up last night and I said, how was it? And he said, I'm so grateful. He said, I realize, you know, how good that is for me and so many levels. And, and so Whatever you can do this summer, get creative around what are some things you can do to pull them away from that treadmill that we're all on, right? Of, you know, go to the gym and work out and go to school and, you know, let them just go do something totally, take a hard left turn. And if for two weeks you don't, you know, they don't touch a ball or get in the pool or whatever their thing is, they'll come back recharged and motivated and inspired. And and particularly if you can find something else for them to focus on that totally takes up their whole, you know, mind. I feel like the easiest thing is just get them out in nature. Yeah. Go camping, go up to Yosemite, go somewhere where you can just get away from it. I don't, I'm totally okay with my kids, you know, until they were varsity players, I was totally okay pulling them out of a summer league thing or whatever tournament you know, to go on a vacation with the family because family's first, right? And along with education, the sports down, it's on the tone, down the totem pole. It's always about education. It's always about family. And so pulling those kids away, like you're saying, is, you know, I remember as an athlete, myself as a swimmer, my 
parents would t- my, take us to Balboa Peninsula. And, you know, the coach was always so mad because it was in August. There was swim meets, but my mom, you know, there's 10 of us. And my mom and dad would put us all in the car and take us to Balboa. And coach would always say, make sure you have them swimming there. And my, my mom would try to get us to swim across from the, the Balboa Bay back and forth. And, you know, we'd swim a little bit and then we'd play out there. They're like, girls were like what this is a workout you know there's no way we were going to sit there and swim and it was such a good thing for us to do every summer and then we all you know we come back and get back in the pool and you know we did good so it's like parents it's okay when especially when they're younger get them out of the rat race yeah you know, get them in nature if anything or send them to keto <laughs> Yeah, right? Look them off for a week if you can or you know that's actually our summer vacation we're going to montana for 10 days and my goal, honestly, is in July, my goal is for everybody to say I'm bored at least five times. Great. So uh, the cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity, right? So yeah. you're bored? Great. Go play with a lightning bug. Go, <laughs> you know, go swim in the lake. I don't care what you do, yeah. but let's get bored. Or just tell them, stay bored. You'll yep. figure out something. Yes. Okay, that's the thing, too, because oftentimes, like, I'm bored. Well, why don't you go do this or go do that? Don't even do that. Yeah. Just be bored because eventually they will figure it out and you'll say, Hey, wow. How did you figure out how to like, you know, grab a string and put it on stick and try to fish, you know, whatever. But like, yeah, well, I didn't know there's nothing else to do. I'm like, cool. Right. Good for you. Cause you're, that's, that's the birth of creativity is in that moment of boredom. So parents don't even tell them what to do. Just tell them to be bored and and to embrace their boredom, boredomness. (laughs) That word. All right. So wrapping up the four things we covered today about helping our kids. All right. So knowing when to pivot. So helping, you know, when, when there's an opportunity or it doesn't look like the opportunity is going the way they want it to, then, you know, allowing them the space and the permission, they're waiting for your permission to pivot. Right. Mm -hmm. Listen, in fact, in that story, that like girl, like she didn't want to disappoint her parents. Yeah. I'm telling you guys, even you guys out there that aren't feeling like you're putting the pressure on your kids. If you're spending money for their their workouts or their or their league, whatever they're playing, they automatically are going to think that they're going to they're disappointing you if they don't follow through. Even if you're not even putting the pressure on them, if there's money involved, they feel it. Yes, so true, so so true. And yet we don't think about that. I mean, because we're not overtly telling them that they know that. Right. We don't have to be talking about that. So, second, listening to your child taking the feedback of this is what this is, you know, you know them better than anybody and allowing them, asking them to have a voice. And because that's the gift right there is that they know when they're empowered to use it. You know, we don't have to go into the whole college cheating scandal thing, but literally that's what they didn't get a voice, right? They weren't allowed to say what this is. Maybe I don't want to go to that school. Maybe I want to go somewhere else, right? Hopefully you guys noticed the mom did not call that coach, the lacrosse coach. She worked with her daughter and had her daughter make the phone call. That is so imperative for you guys to hear that aspect. It's not about you calling. You can coach them what they can say, but they make the call to the coach yeah. on any level of whatever the question is. Coaches don't want to see you parents in their offices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They don't want to see you in their colleges. They don't want to see you in their professional leagues. Just back up and teach the kid to speak for himself. Yes. 
So number three, advocating for your child from behind the scenes. So knowing what's best for her, if it's going to put her in harm's way, or you're talking about Luke playing up when he was too young and knowing, you know what, you're going to do fine if you play JV this year. So helping them make decisions that are going to be best for them in the long run, not necessarily we're in this immediate gratification society right now and allowing the the slow burn, short-term losses for long-term gains of what, what could he get out of this by being the leader this year so that he can really grow into the into the leadership position next year mm-hmm. and number four slack in the system so get bored let's figure out a way to get bored this summer um, even if, if you have to ship them off or if you have you know an out an outdoor um, opportunity to go camp go go be bored taking them out of their normal routine your normal routine and system and allowing them to be to be Awesome. Good? All right, my dear. We've promised ourselves we're going to do two more of these this summer, even as busy as we are and as unplugged as we want to be. So thank you all so much for listening. We love hearing from you. So please jump on the Facebook group. We have um, Raising Athletes is a Facebook group. We're trying to do a better job of putting a lot of fun, relevant articles up there too. So please jump in there and check that out. And onto our Instagram page, uh, Raising Athletes as well. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Bye.